2: Eagles fans, welcome back to football 24-7 with your guy Tony DeShields II and I'm joined by the man, the myth, the legend, our Eagles insider here on Jacob Sports, John McMullen, one of the best writers, one of the best guys out there covering your Philadelphia Eagles. He's always going to give you his objective take, nothing more, nothing less. Okay. Make sure you guys continue to stay locked in on the content. Smash that like button. If you guys continue to want more from John, you guys know what to do. Check him out on jacobsports.com and also check him out on si.com, otherwise known as sportsillustrated.com. And also check him out on Birds 365 with him and Jody Mac. You guys know. We got to take care of some housekeeping before we get too deep into the content. Like I said, check out Birds 365, John McMullen, John McMullen and Jody Mack. Check out Sports Take with Derek Gunn and Rob Ellis, the national football show with Dan Cilio at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Also, check out and make sure you're locked in on that pre-post and halftime show featuring John McMullen, featuring Seth Joyner, Mike Missinelli, uh Mark Farzetta, uh, Derek Gunn, Kayla Santiago, uh, Bill Colorulo. We have a full plethora of content waiting in the wings for you guys. Also, m- make sure you guys lock in on the Philly Godfathers content on Jacob Sports right now—the sports gambling show, the sports betting show covering college football and the NFL—and also check out this week in pro football with Pat Callahan weekly. Now, you guys, you know we—that was have, a lot. That was it. Well was done, it, was it was it was. You know, it's, it's so funny. A lot of that stuff just rolls around rolls around in my head on a daily basis, but. Um, I have a question for you, John, right? Like I, like, we, like we talked about, in lieu of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or in lieu of the Eagles having to go to Tampa Bay to face the Buccaneers, rather, I got to ask you before we get too deep into the content. What's your least favorite and your favorite cities to go to when it comes to covering uh, the National Football League? What's your favorite what's your, uh, city and your least favorite city?
3: Uh, New Orleans is number one.
2: Okay. Um, any pretty
3: reasons why a, a wide margin as you can guess i mean, I mean it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty cool down there um and i think all super bowls should be in new orleans um you know interesting the stadium isn't great so um that's but it, it's always a fun time i would say that's by far number one um number uh, the the secondary one tampa's won Uh, uh, Miami's one. Anytime you get to go to Florida, it's good. And the reason I don't put Florida, uh, California in that category, the trip is too long. So, Mm -hmm. um, Seattle as well. So, you know, that's a pain in the, you know, what Minneapolis is cool for me because I used to live there. So I, I know the landscape, so so to speak. Um, uh, so those are my favorites. Um, but most of the time you're in and out, so you don't get to do much. Um, uh, but, you know, my buddy Ed Kratz went down to Tampa with his wife a little bit earlier. So that kind of tells you Tampa's a, a cool spot to go to. You can go to St. Petersburg, Clearwater. So uh, right by the beach on the Gulf Coast and uh, it's supposed to be bad weather up here. So not a bad place to be.
2: Well, I know one thing for sure, John. Sooner or later, we're going to find out who you are in your natural habitat. And that natural habitat appears to be New Orleans. So we're going to find out who you are uh, behind the scenes at some point. Um, John McMullen Uncut is what we like to call it. Um, Will you be going to the the game uh, on Monday?
3: Um, I am scheduled to be there. You know, you right. never know. Barring any w- flight
2: delays or bad bad diligence. weather
3: again, we're having bad luck this year. So, uh, you know, there's a tropical storm coming up, and they seem to cancel flights at the drop of a hat. Uh, right. So, hopeful—that's all you can say.
2: All right, now hopefully the Philadelphia Eagles offense can find a way to. Uh, can find a way to get out of their own way. Obviously, the Philadelphia Eagles' offense has had their struggles over the past couple weeks against some pretty uh, stout defensive minds in Bill Belichick and Brian Flores. You know, in this upcoming matchup, they're going they're going to be going up against another defensive mind who's one of the best in the league, and that's Ty Bowles. And you know, some key players on that side of the ball for the Buccaneers: uh, Vita Vea at, at nose tackle, one of the best when it comes to stopping a run, and arguably one of the best combo. Uh, D tackles in the league. Uh, you got Devin White at linebacker. You got Sheck Barrett at linebacker. They're so athletic at linebacker. They're so um, talented at linebacker, um, the Buccaneers are. And then also they have this young guy, this undrafted rookie corner and nickel, Christian Isian, who has two interceptions in back-to-back weeks, a total of two interceptions on the season. So uh, he's been he's been making some waves for the Buccaneers. So even though the Buccaneers have their limitations in pass defense, they are very dominant Uh, And run defense. This is a big week for guys like Jalen Hurts big week for guys like AJ Brown, even Dallas Goddard and Brian Johnson. So uh, first question out the gate, John, you know, just based on everything I laid out for you so far, what's your expectations for the Eagles offense going up against this? I guess you'll say pretty good Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense.
3: Yeah, it is pretty good. Um, uh certainly on paper. I mean, getting Shaq Barrett back is as you mentioned, is a big deal. He missed essentially, he got hurt in week one. So torn Achilles and um he he basically missed the entire season and and he's their best edge rusher. So um he's a big deal. Uh and if you remember him back in the Super Bowl, um, dominant player. Um uh, for Tampa Bay, great pass rusher, and he seems to be uh bouncing back well from that particular injury. So um that's that's been a big get back. Um you mentioned B Bay, a lot of talk about him. Jason Kelsey talk everybody talks about him because he's impossible to move. He's a he's a rare player. Um and and basically since he he's arrived, they've been best one of the best run defenses in football and a lot of it has to do with him he's just you know right in the middle difficult to move and he mucks things up uh and they have linebackers who can run now as you mentioned you know Barrett is is more of an edge rusher so is Joe Tryon they're the edge rushers um very similar uh, to the Eagles fronts. they play the 50 they play the 40. But the edge guys are, are are Shaq Barrett and Joe Tryon. The the all ball linebackers are Devin White and Levante David, and they can run. Um, and 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 White particularly, you know, when he's on, um, he's as athletic a linebacker as you have in this league. So it, you know, when you talk about the Eagles and and the outside zone and trying to get. Uh, maybe Jalen Hurts going in the running game. This this might not be the week. And if you go back to uh, the 2021 season, nobody did a better job against the Eagles than Tampa Bay. Nobody. Uh, they played them twice, once in the regular season, um, and in the playoffs. And the Bucks dominated both games. Now, different era, you know, Tom Brady. They were the Super Bowl contender with Tom Brady. The Eagles were just sort of the fledgling, hopeful team first year with Nick Sirianni. But you look at the first game, which was at Lincoln Financial Field. For people that remember, uh, it was probably the worst start for Jalen Hurts, and since he became the full-time starter, he was twelve of twenty-six. 115 yards yes 115 yards uh, his passer rating was 55.8 uh, he only ran for 44 yards he did have two touchdowns on the ground but uh, he wasn't running you know like he was the rest of the season and then, if you go to the people remember the, the, the playoff game was a blowout and uh, until they came back a little bit uh, at the end so you know, the scores don't look as bad as the games really were. And Jalen's passive rating in that game was 60. So nobody has handled Jalen Hurts better than Todd Bowles. Now, two things to that is Jalen's evolved as a player. He's gotten much better. And I, I you can trace a lot of that to that playoff game because, you know, what Todd tried to do was pen him up. Like you saw um, uh, Brian Flores do on Thursday night, same type of thing. Um, and he also has the linebackers to run with them. If he wants to get out of the pocket, as I mentioned with Devin white. Um, and he also blushed him left. Anytime he made sure he was going to his left, that was a weakness of Jalen hurts. And he worked all offseason to get better at it. And he was, Way better at it last year But these two teams didn't play So it's going to be interesting I, You know Nick Sirianni's played That tried to downplay it Jalen Hurts has tried to downplay it But they've gotten all the questions They struggled so much And while the Bucks' offense has changed dramatically Starting with no Tom Brady um, The defense hasn't um, And the core group at least Vita Bea, Devin White, Labante David, Antoine Winfield Jr. Um, they're still there. And and they're the team that sort of haunted the Eagles. So we're gonna see um, if they can maybe solve it a little bit.
2: Yeah, you know, we brought up the running game many times thus far. And Eagles fans, if you're tuning, if you're just tuning in, make sure you smash that like button. You're locked in on football 24/7 with John McMullen. I'm Tone Dishos the second. We're gonna spend um, the show today. Uh, discussing the Eagles offense versus the Buccaneers defense. I believe that's going to be um, a a large talking point, especially with the struggles the Eagles offense has been dealing with. And also with the latest success um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense has had, even though they have gone up against some pretty lackluster running games with the Vikings and with the bears. Now, the unique thing about the bears is they have a, a quarterback who's capable of going for hundred yards easily on the ground, but they were able to pin up Justin Fields and he wasn't able to really get off. Um, the Vikings were only able to accumulate 41 rushing yards against the Buccaneers. Granted, they have no, no running game at all. Um, the, 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 the bears, uh, only 67 rushing yards. I believe three or four of those rushing yards came by way of the quarterback. So they did a good job limiting Justin Fields from doing what he does best. And that's being athletic outside the pocket. Um, but still, we, we know the Eagles have struggled in the air as of late, and they were able to get things going on the ground last week. That's clearly not going to be the case this week like we talked about. I don't think the Eagles are going to rush for 200 rushing yards on the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I don't see that happening. But I do think they need to establish some level of a running game in order for them to open up the pass game, in order for them to have some kind of success. Do you believe the Eagles are capable of establishing some level running game i'm not talking about 175 from dion swift or 250 as a team but do you think they can somehow accumulate between 100 to 150 rushing yards even with the way they're even even with the way they're bottling up running backs and bottling up mobile quarterbacks um it's going
3: to be difficult i think the hope is you know you get to 100 or so you get right around there if you get to um You know, 150, that's probably more impressive than 256 against Minnesota Mm. if you get to 150. And if you do get to 100, it's probably going to be one long run contributing to it. You know, if you go back to the the playoff game, it was Boston Scott, I believe, who had – a 30-something yard run, got loose, and that got them near 100. I don't think they cracked 100. Um, I'm trying to look it up. They were at 95, Uh, 95 total, and Boston had one rush for 34 yards. So, you know, the rest of it was 16 rushes for uh, 61 yards. So that was the playoff game. That's probably what you're looking at as far as, uh, if you want to go back to the regular season game. Um, and remember, this team has been number, top five for four out of the past five years when it comes to stopping the run. Um, and, and the Eagles were right at 100 uh, in the regular season game. And Moss had 56, Jalen had 44. Nobody else did anything. Um, so that, you know, you're probably hopeful of getting to 100. Or, or somewhere just above it, and that would be a, a solid performance. 150 would be tremendous. And if you get to those numbers near 150, it's probably going to be breaking one long run that helps you get there. But the consistency, like they were against Minnesota, it's just not going to happen against this team. It's just not. So when you're getting those six, seven-yard runs – pushing people off the ball. Yeah, this is not the team you're going to do that against. Um, but the Eagles have a good offensive line themselves. I, I But on paper, you know, as they game planning, this is they want to get the passing game going. You know, Tampa's best corners, Carlton Davis, he's, he's not going to play. So they're a little bit banged up. Uh, Jamal Dean is their other corner. He's having a pretty bad season. Granted, it's early plenty of time to turn it around, but he hasn't been good. And he mentioned their nickelback is, uh, is a rookie, even though he's made some plays, you know, rookies and they might make a play here and there, but they're probably going to lack consistency. So I think the big advantage here is AJ Brown, Devontae Smith against those, those corners, especially without Carlton Davis.
2: Yeah, I agree with you 150% if that's even possible. Um, I'm looking at the way the Eagles are built uh, on offense. I'm looking at the way the, uh, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are built on defense. The Buccaneers, their strength right now is their front seven. Defensive line and linebacker play and edge rushers. Um, but those DBs, I mean, outside of the safety position, watch, which I feel like is their more talented group with Winfield Jr. and uh, Ryan Neal. Um, the, at, when it comes to those cornerbacks, I mean, they're not really – there's not really much to write home about. You know, there's – you know, there's there's some stats I want to throw I want to throw by you that may give the Eagles um some you know some level of breathing room and gives Eagles fans uh some, some optimism when it comes to uh, the Jalen Hurts AJ Brown relationship, right? We know AJ Brown's want to get his numbers at some point, but this may be the week to do so, and I'm gonna tell you why, John. And I want your opinion on this. Um, you know, two weeks in a row, uh, the Buccaneers defense has surrendered over 100 yards receiving to the opponent's top receiver. Um, Justin Jefferson, nine receptions, 150 yards. DJ Moore from the Bears, six receptions, 104 yards. Granted, neither of those guys had a touchdown, but the passing game was still uh, was able to, was able to get activated against uh, those uh, those defensive backs. Um, I say that to say the Bucks they can be had in the passing game, but do you think the Eagles can take advantage despite the struggles they the struggles they've had with getting it off the ground?
3: Um. Uh, yeah. I. You know they got to get it going at some point. And I think they want to get it going against this team because, you know, there is this narrative that they struggle with Todd Bowles and, um, you know, maybe they do. Um, and if that's the case and you're going to have another sort of clunky game offensively, that's obviously not going to go over well. Uh, but I think, you know, people are realistic in, in the Nova care complex and, um, no, understand what I just explained that, you know, this is, this team is very difficult to run against. Um, um, it's, you know, the first thing they lead in their, their, their press notes about their, their run defense. And it's been this way for five years. Um, it's not new. Like the Eagles have had a tremendous run defense in the first two games against new England and, and Minnesota. Tampa Bay's had a tremendous run defense in the first two games as well. They're number two. The Eagles are number one, but they've been doing it for five years. This is not an anomaly. This is not a small sample size for them. They've been doing it for a long time. Um, The Eagles have probably taken advantage of some poor running games and, and I don't expect them to be number one against the run the entire season. If you ask me who's, going to be number one against the run, I'm probably going to bet on the Bucks because they usually are um, if to if stays healthy.
2: You know, another aspect of this game uh, that I think is going to really tell a lot about both of these teams, really, is how they participate on first and especially third down. The Eagles have struggled on first down uh, as of late, and they've even and they struggled even mightier on third down. Um, but the Buccaneers, their defense hasn't been the the toughest on third down as well. Um, the Eagles are only 37 percent right now on third down conversions uh, from an offense perspective, and from a defensive perspective, the Bucks are about 44 um, percent in stopping the opponent from converting third downs. Um, granted, it's only been two games, so there's not really much of a sample size. But still, the Eagles noticeably have struggled on third down, and they've struggled on first down. Um, what, you know, their, their, their claim to fame last year was being so successful on first down hardly being put in any third and long situations. They won first down quite often last season and they were really, uh, um, they were, they were really formidable, uh, in the, uh, in the short game as well, you know, third and two, third and one, fourth and one, fourth and two, they really dominated that area. Um, speak on, uh, the importance of the Philadelphia Eagles turning around their fortune on first and third down when it comes to this Buccaneers team, who, who is very, who's very opportunistic.
3: Well, I mean, everything is about situational football with the Eagles. So third down is obviously, you know, the most important down in football. And, you know, when you think about it, how do you convert third downs? Well, you want third and short, you don't want third and long unless you're the 49ers playing the New York Giants and you can convert third and fifteens on bubble screens. Um, you typically can't do that kind of stuff against uh, good opposition, so um, you got to stay on schedule, as coaches like to say it. Uh, and maybe that's where you want to grind out, uh, um, you know, some of that running game that we talked about and get near a hundred yards. You know, nobody's saying you can forget about the running game, but you know, I think you can forget about two fifty-six. What you want to do is stay ahead of the sticks, obviously. And if you got third and threes and third and fours, it makes it a lot easier than if you let Shaq Barrett and Joe Tryon, you know, pin their ears back on on third and longs. Same as the Eagles, you know, in a lot of ways, they mirror each other defensively because they're both, you know, have great front sevens and maybe some question marks uh, on the back end. typically the Eagles have great corners with Slay and Bradbury. Uh, the Bucks have two great uh, – uh, they have one safety in Winfield uh, in one corner in Davis, but Davis is going to be hurt. So um, they kind of mirror each other defensively. Um, and both teams you don't want to get in third and long situations. So uh, the, the more effective you are uh, on early downs, the easier it's going to make it for you.
2: Another thing that's made this Buccaneers team dangerous right now is their ability to get to the quarterback. Um, They've gone up against a statue in Kirk Cousins, and they've gone up against...
0: Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make?
4: Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try.
2: It's a guy that's extremely mobile, right? Kirk Cousins is obviously a better passer than Justin Fields. Kirk Cousins sees the field. Justin Fields just does not see the field. Um, but that's besides the point. My main point is the Bucks have accumulated eight sacks through two games uh, on Cousins and Fields. Granted, both of those teams have very, very suspect offensive lines. Uh, but the Eagles offensive line hasn't really been um, as great as we would expect them to be uh, in pass pro because they've given up seven sacks through two games. Now we've talked about this, John. Uh, uh, it's I'm not just disagree. offensive line. Yeah, it's
3: I'm going to A lot so, of that, a lot of that with the Eagles is, you know, a lot of people don't realize, you know, it's not always on the offensive line when there's a sack. You. Um, you know, sometimes you have an unaccounted for rusher and the quarterback's got to get the football out. Sometimes, um, there's a site adjustment or, uh, you have a hot route and, and, you know, Nick mentioned this earlier this week, you know, on one occasion didn't want to out the player on one occasion, somebody ran the wrong route and it uh, resulted in a sack because he wasn't where he's supposed to be. Um, So, you know, you can look at a a number on a piece of paper and say, oh, they've given up too many sacks. But, you know, and generally you talked about fields as well. Generally, when you have mobile quarterbacks, they hold the ball ball longer. Yeah, they hold the ball longer. They're trying to extend the play. And it's counterintuitive to a lot of fans, but they take more sacks than the Kirk Cousins of the world. Uh, um, um, Kirk probably holds it a little bit too long himself. He gets those strip sacks occasionally, but overall, you know, guys with Mac Jones in week one, he's getting it out in 2.3 seconds. Um, So he wasn't taking sacks Uh, Tom Brady, obviously in his heyday, Pete Manning, those, those guys would get the football out on time. um, And they were very, very difficult to sack. So, um, it's not always on the offensive line, and I think this offensive line has been pretty dominant, as usual, um, overall. And I think it's ironic because I'm looking at it right now. My if you, lot, if you want to go to the pro football focus rankings, my lot has been the best player on the Eagles through two games. He was tremendous against Minnesota. Now, his run blocking is better than his pass blocking. Uh, but Lane has been a better pass blocker than a run blocker. Mm. Uh Landon is basically, you know, 50-50. Same. Uh Kelsey's been a better pass blocker. And Cam Jurgens has been a better pass blocker than a run blocker.
2: Okay, now, so okay, so let's I'm, I'm okay. I'm 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 glad you I'm glad you set the table for that because all right, let's take the onus off of the offensive line at this point, then you know, just based on everything you said. Uh, the pass pro has technically been better than the run pro, just based off of the PFF metrics, right? So how much pressure is on this quarterback and Jalen Hurts? How much pressure is on these running backs to actually protect the quarterback? And how much pressure is on Jalen Hurts to get the ball out on time? To me, it just seems like he's just been extremely hesitant. Um, he's just been waiting for something to happen. He's been kind of locked in on one target for a little too long. How much pressure is on Jalen Hurts and the running backs to figure this thing out, especially going up against a defense like uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who has a lot of speed, a lot of athleticism on the edge and, and the linebackers and, 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 and with the D tackles?
3: Yeah, I, I I think a lot of it is on the quarterback understand. Look, you know, Jason Kelsey called it chaos. You know, you had two unique defensive coordinators who were throwing all curveballs at you that you weren't expecting stuff. And I think he was a little bit slower than he typically is processing. And that's got to pick up. Um, And, you know, this is a tough week as well with Todd Bowles, at least historically. Uh, And then the running backs have been really bad. So um, really bad as pass protectors. Um, You know, I mentioned those PFF rankings, you know, they have sort of shades of, of, you know, green, blue, blue chip, you know, Jordan, my has been a blue chip player as a run blocker. You know, if you get in the blue, you're the best. And then the worst are the big red, you know, red sign. While the Eagles only have four individual red marks on offense, they're all in pass protection. DeAndre Swift, Kenny Gainwell, Rashad Penny, and Jack Stoll. Those are your four red lights, so to speak, who have Mm -hmm. been very poor at that aspect. So you're having these teams that blitz, um, and the case of Plur is very unique, very chaotic, and they're taking advantage of those running backs and tight ends. They're not taking advantage of, of, of the offensive linemen, by and
2: large. All right, so you know this begs the question: How effective are the Philadelphia Eagles' coaches when it comes to self-scouting? You know, this is this is like the this isn't the first time I've heard someone say that the players have said, "Oh, uh, yeah, they you know they're throwing things at us that we didn't expect or we didn't see." AJ Brown said it. Uh, Justin Kelsey said it. He said it's chaos, right? Um, typically, my, or at least my expectation, at least is I expect coaches and coordinators to do more self-scouting than anything because you want to know where the leaks are in your offense or on your defense, right? But again, we're staying on the offense side when it comes to Philadelphia Eagles. You know, we talked about how this coaching staff has struggled to develop the hot reads and, um, you know, side adjustments, you know, for the quarterback. Um, the quarterback has struggled uh, with the blitz um, historically. Um, he's technically gotten better, but he's still struggled because of the different packages and the different concepts that the offense is seeing. Um, from guys like Bill Belichick and Brian Flores, and now you got Todd Bowles with a more talented defense than the than the defense they played before. How much of the onus is on this coaching staff to be better at simply just self scouting? Because I don't want, help me understand, John. I don't understand how you have so much time to prepare for two opponents, and you know you pretty much know what they get into in terms of coaching, yet you're still struggling to anticipate what the opponent has planned for you. I mean
3: well that's that's the uh that's the uniqueness of, of Bill and and Brian. I mean you don't know what they're gonna do. You you know what other people are gonna do, but the Eagles have had the unfortunate uh um and not they were able to win the game. I mentioned this before the season started. I think it's great to get those defensive coordinators out of the way. Uh, because they're going to test you with stuff you haven't seen before, uh, and unscouted looks. You know, I I I was talking to a Eagles personnel guy. Minnesota <laughs> now, Wink bartendale's going to. I guess he got pissed off because he blitzed eighty-seven percent of the time <laughs> yesterday. Jeez. So he's going <laughs> to he's going to take the lead in week three. But yes. Minnesota is number one. What through two weeks, number one in blitzing, blitz uh, rate they blitz more than anybody else. They're also number one in dropping eight men into coverage. You don't know what the hell they're going to do. Um, there, that's unheard of. Now it's only two weeks. It's not as I said. It's not going to continue for the whole year. But I mean, one time he's bringing the house. The next play he's dropping eight in the coverage. You can imagine what that does. And that's what Jason was was saying. It was very chaotic. But I get the Eagles coaching staff credit because what they do, they said, all right, you're going to play these light boxes. And I, I saw Greg Cosell say this, and I thought I was the only one. I get Brian Johnson a big check mark saying, you check that box, man. He said, you're going to let us run the ball? He shipped it in the second quarter. All right, I'll just run it down your throat and they never came out of it, and the Eagles, you know, basically ran inside zone to the finish line and won the football game. That, to me, is a positive from the coaching I, I, I agree.
2: I agree with you, uh, by the way. I mean, again, um, being able to respond uh, to the adversity and just being able to read the game, I think that's a positive sign for the coaching staff. Yeah. I agree.
3: And, you know, typically teams will use three or four for each team. Minnesota used seven, seven different personnel groupings. So that's what Jason was talking about when he said chaos. So I get in the short span, people are saying, oh, they didn't look good. They didn't, uh, you know, they didn't scout this. Who scouts seven personnel groupings? You know, nobody does that. So I compared it to Navy. We had Paul Domowitz on um this morning and and i remember talking to charlie weiss back in the day and he coached at notre dame for a while for people who remember and notre dame plays navy every year and he couldn't stand it because they run the triple option and you you can't prepare for it because nobody else runs the triple option so you can't spend a lot of time on it you basically have that week and you know, typically they would look awful during the game, but they'd win because they'd out talent uh, Navy. Um, but it's frustrating. It's kind of what happened with Philadelphia, different level, of course. You know, Minnesota has really good players. They're NFL players, but not as many as the Eagles. It was frustrating, but they got through it. And now you settle down into more normal looks as, as the season goes on.
2: Okay. So, you know, we've discussed, you know, Bill Belichick and Brian Flores, you know, in their trends or lack thereof. Um, What have you seen? And I, I know, I know leading up to the games, you do your own personal, I guess, scouting, you know, for your own writing purposes, right. You know, based on the opponent, you know, injury reports, things of that nature trends, what trends from the Buccaneers, um, have you read into or have you noticed over the past couple of weeks that the Philadelphia Eagles can potentially take advantage of in the passing game?
3: Well, just uh, the corners. I mean, the court uh, J- uh, Jamal Dean is has been a good player in the past for whatever reason, he's you know had a bad start. Um, and you want to take but,
2: but but we've seen we've seen the scheme elevate players, right? So um, is this a situation where Todd Bowles scheme? Because remember, Ty Bowles has a, has a great track record against Jalen Hurts. Is this a, is it, is this a situation, even though they struggle at the cornerback position from a talent perspective and with health, is this a situation where um, the trend of Jalen Hurts struggling against Ty Bowles can that rear its head because of Ty Bowles' ability to elevate his scheme against a guy like Jalen Hurts? Despite well, it could. The
3: talent? It, it, it could, and I think, you know, and that's one thing, Sometimes it's, it's not even, um, the scheme. Sometimes it's just a mental block. I haven't had success against this team and this coach, uh, and you want to get over that hump. Um, but like I said, for me, you know, Tampa Bay mirrors the Eagles in a lot of ways. They have a, a really good set front seven. That's got to make up for some of their weaknesses on the back end. Um, that's how they have to play. Um, I think that's how they do play. And that's going to be the, the, the issue because, you know, if, if you can protect Jalen hurts and keep him clean and keep him comfortable. Yeah. I think, you know, AJ Brown and, and Devante Smith are going to be open against, um, against these cornerbacks. Now, you know, we haven't talked about the injury report. It looks like Quez Watkins is the one guy who might miss the game. Um, and the Eagles aren't terribly deep to begin with. So you might see a little bit more Alameda Zaccheaus. Um, but certainly to me, you have to get A.J. Brown. This is an A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith game. and And they want to get the passing game going. So I think it plays into not only what the Eagles want to do, but what they should do, sometimes that flex, they should try to throw the ball against this team.
2: Uh, final question, John, before we get out of here, man. Um, the old, the old uh, narrative has reared its ugly head again about Jalen Hurts not being able to read defenses. Um, granted, it's only been two games, um, and I don't really subscribe to the notion that he can't necessarily read defenses. Um, I just think he's trying to work within the confines of what's required of him in the Eagles offense, you know, with that RPO system. Um, you know, this is a situation where he's going up against a team where, you know, sometimes it's not even about reading defenses. Sometimes it's just, like you said, this, a mental block, this team has had historical success against me and I struggle against them. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the air. I don't know if it's the, the turf. I don't know if it's the color of their jerseys. I don't know, but for some reason, this, I struggle against this team, a la Jalen Hurts and the Buccaneers. Um, at this point in Jalen Hurts' career, being in year four, week three of the 2023 season, uh, what's been your thoughts on uh, the narrative You know, coming back to the fold about him not being able to read uh, defenses? And um, do you think uh, he still has some struggles to overcome when it comes to reading defenses?
3: Well, everybody evolves, but no, I don't, I don't think he's struggled. Uh, you know, it's ironic, you know, he, he hasn't run the ball well, which I, I don't think, you know, it's funny to me because if you look at, uh, you know, he's completing over 70% of his passes.
2: Yes, he is. Um,
3: the deep throws are still there. You saw him to Devonte Smith Um, still got a great deep ball. You know, if you look at the film grades, his passer ratings over ninety. If you're a Jody Mac fan and like that stat, which I don't, but that's <laughs> certainly acceptable. Um, and if you look at the film, if you look at the PFF grades, you know he's obviously disappointing. He's 18th overall compared to the season he had last year, uh, but it's only two games. And the reason he's so low is because of his run efficiency, not his passing efficiency, which he's still top ten. Uh, he's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ninth, ninth in the in the NFL when he's throwing the football. Patrick Mahomes, by the way, is number ten, um, and Jalen Hurts of all people is second to last running the football. Only the only guy under him is Tua uh who's not a very good um runner. That's it. Now if you would have told me that I would have said you're insane that's not going to happen. It's happened because that was the game plan of Bill Belichick and Brian Flores. Take the running aspect away from Jalen Hurts. Um that was their game plan. And they both accomplished it. Um, I don't think to continue um, because where it was DeAndre Swift going off on the run game, um, you know, maybe this week it's going to be A.J. or Devontae whomever. um, They'll start making plays and people are saying, well, we got to pay attention to this. And that's, I think, the good part of the Eagles. You know, you can take something away. And all of a sudden it opens up something else.
2: I got to sneak one last one in on you, John. Um, And this pertains to, um, you know, your response to my last question. Uh, Do you think the coaches or let me frame it this way. Do you think there is some sense of a mentality shift from Jalen Hurts right now? Um, It just seems like he's doing a lot more thinking instead of a lot more instead of more reacting out there.
3: He's been as good as processing things as he tips, us. Um, but, you know, again, we're talking about a very small sample size. Yes, of course. Yes. He didn't play in pre preseason at all. Um, it, it could be as simple as, well, he's just getting used to the game speed. And as the season goes on, things will start to slow down for him. Okay. And it'll look more like he did later. But, you know, I think it's fair to say as uh, and played um, in the first two games like he played last season. Um, that's fair to say, but I think it's kind of silly to overreact, especially when they're still winning games. Um, now, if they lost games, that they were 0-2, I'd probably have a different take on it. But they're winning games. And, you know, the last 20 times he's been out there in the regular season, they've won 19 times. So, you know, there's something to that um you know he's a relentless player even even that's the word i use even if you pin him up uh pen him up for a long periods of time he tends to make a big play that and you're like it's frustrating because you 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 think you're doing everything right and then bang 60 whatever four yard touchdown to Devontae smith or it might be a first down might be something as simple as Oh, it's third and eight. You should have sacked him. He sneaks out, he gets first down, extends a drive. He's a he's a relentless player on defenses, and it takes it tends to take its toll uh over the course of uh 60 minutes. It might not always look good, but the results are the results. And they don't lose a lot of games when he's out there.
2: There you have it, Eagles fans. You guys heard it from the horse's mouth. John McMullen, make sure you guys uh, smash that like button and continue to stay engaged in the content. We appreciate all the love and support that you guys provide. We appreciate the love. We appreciate the hate. And as long as you congratulate, it doesn't even matter what happens after that. Uh, You know, again, make sure you guys stay locked in on Football 24-7. Lock in with John McMullen on Mm SI.com and Jacobsports.com as well. Also, check him out on Birds 365 at 8 a.m. Eastern time with Jody Mack. Also check out Derek Gunn and Rob Ellis on Sports Take at 12 p.m. Eastern Time, the National Football Show with Dan Silio at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. And every game day, pre-post, and halftime. Make sure you check out John McMullen, Seth Joyner, Mike Massanelli, uh Derek Gunn, uh Mark Forzetta, uh, Kayla Santiago, Bill Colorillo. Check those, check those people out on uh, the Jacob Sports pre, post, and halftime show. They do an amazing job covering your Philadelphia Eagles, Make sure you guys stay locked in. Check out Pat Callahan on this week in Pro Football. Uh, check out the Bill Colarulo uh, uh, podcast as well, and also check out the Philly Godfather uh, show, where he gives you all the gives you guys all the um, the best sports betting advice um, right here um, in terms of National, the National Football League and college football. John, man, I appreciate you as always for giving your input and providing your insight. Any final words, anything you want to announce before we get out of here?
3: Uh, I want to announce I'm tired and uh, I'm going to go (laughs) to bed early tonight. Uh, Yeah, that's about it.
2: (laughs) Oh, man, John. Now, is that an overreaction to your hard day or no? (laughs)
3: Uh, It's an overreaction to my dog getting me up at five o'clock every 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 day.
2: Hey, I'll take it. I'll take it. On that note, you guys, smash that like button. Make sure you guys are subscribed to the Jacob Sports YouTube channel. You guys were in on Football 24-7 with John McMullen. I'm your guy, Tone DeShields II. Take care, you guys, and we'll see you next time.